Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Everybody, so glad you could join us. We really appreciate your spending your time with us. We know time is a very precious commodity, and that you share it with us means a great deal. Want to thank Ken Quiet Hawk first off for his amazing intro. You can find him at NativeStorytellers.com. He and his wife are are phenomenal as native storytellers, and they actually preserve a form of keeping history and, and tradition and cosmology alive and well in the high, hearts and lives of those who hear them. And uh, a, an amazing tradition that has gone out of uh, popularity since we had textbooks, which you know is a whole other ball of wax I can get into at some point when I have my soapbox handy. But in the meantime, Mark has an amazing show scheduled for you tonight, a fantastic guest. And I'm very excited to hear all of them. Okay, there, well, that uh, fits in perfectly with the concept of uh, censorship that we're going to get into tonight, plus uh, the other c- censorship I have to deal with. Like, uh, yeah, this is not a forum to make the girls giggle and no more of the uh, guests showing up naked. But, uh, you know, that's... Well, We'll work on that uh, uh, topic uh, for for later shows. But um, yeah, I I grew up watching all those Chili Billy uh, Cardill uh, Chiller Theater shows out of Pittsburgh, uh, and all the other late late monster shows. And you know, I love the Charlton Heston trilogy of futuristic apocalyptic movies like Planet of the Apes and Omega Man, Soylent Green. And, you know, by the time I got to high school, we read uh, Fahrenheit 451 and, of course, 1984. And, you know, read, uh, you know, Brave New World and uh, A Clockwork Orange on my own and, you know, watched Red Dawn uh, Shaun of the Dead, uh, Idiocracy. So, 
you know, it's like all, all those movies and books, you know, you know, focus on uh, the elites who put them in, uh, you know, place to control the masses, and you know, there's you know the exciting story of the you know, resistance movement. And these are, are, are not just fictionalized uh, theories. You know, we, we still deal with them today. It's, you know, we hear all about the deep state and uh, AOC and her implausible Green New Deal and, uh, you know, the Swedish Greta. And, uh, you know, do we, do we really believe a 16-year-old is proficient enough in science to make the world uh, change to fit her conclusions, or is she just being coached by those with an agenda? If the new uh, Green Deal is implemented, how will Greta fly back to Sweden, or is flying just for the elites? Uh, you, know, you can also look at um, as you know. It seems like uh, the Amendment Six of the Bill of Rights is suspended for in favor of uh, the testimony of some undisclosed whistleblower. Was there a cabal behind Epstein's sudden death? Uh, Why was no plane found at Shanksville, or plane parts uh, found at Shanksville? Um, So why do some of us believe these illusions, and what is the agenda of those who design these events? Um, you know, to, is it a coincidence that today is Election Day and Guy Fawkes Day, and we have Dina Ray making her debut on Nightlight? And you know, is that is that part of my ingenious scheduling, or just a coincidence, or is there a man behind Nightlight's curtain? So, uh, and D- Dina Ray is the author of. Crowns and Cabals. It's a wonderful novel that explores the explores that humanity has hope despite the dark forces of the elites. Uh, Crown and Cabals has the merits to stand shoulder to shoulder with the apocalyptic masterpieces. And so, just wanted to uh, welcome Dina. How how are you tonight? Wow, that's quite the intro. Um, thank you again, uh, Mark and Barbara, for having me on your show. I'm uh, honored to be a guest, and uh, I know you guys produce a, a wonderful radio program that's uh, entertaining and educational, and um, uh, you know, always topical. Uh, I'm honored again to be a guest, and uh, I am a New World Order conspiracy theorist Mm -hmm. and my latest book is uh about exactly uh that i i believe Mm -hmm. that we are headed in a globalist direction and new world order is of course the ultimate goal of the inner circle and um there all of the things that go with that population control Censorship, as you previously mentioned, uh, we're going to get rid of property ownership, and we're going to get rid of religion, we're going to get rid of gun ownership. There's so many things we're going to get rid of 
in favor of this small ruling class finally getting to play kings and queens of the world. Okay. So uh, let's, you know, you know, we have two hours to uh, cover all that. So, let, you know, let's look at how you open your novel and, you know, we are going from, you know, the America that, you know, it's pretty, it's set in the not too distant future. And most of the novel is set during um, the, the, the transitional period from, the America we know today to the the uh, new world order. Um, so, yeah. Let, let's get started on you know, this nuclear annihilation that you know, wipes out about a third of the population. You know that. You know, one third does fit in later into your novel, and it, you know, it goes back to Paradise Lost and you know the Bible as well. Well, uh, you're absolutely right, Mark. Uh, uh, we currently have 7.53 billion people on this earth, and with no population control, with uh, no one no mass graves, no mass deaths, we will have, uh, conservatively, we will have 10 billion people on this earth by 2050, which is unsustainable. Uh, and I'm, I'm not a scientist. I'm getting this information from scientists. So this is just researched information. So as you've already mentioned, we've got AOC popping up with how are we going to sustain the globe? Well, at 10 billion people, we can't unless we're going to drastically change our lifestyle, which is it's possible. But I, you know, right away you're going to tell you're going to tell the masses that they got to eat bug powder while you're sitting there eating a steak and lobster dinner. That's not going to go over too well, I I would right. say, with most of the world. So it is possible to sustain 10 billion people, but the way especially the rich com- countries live, especially America lives, it's not going to happen. So how are we going to get rid of billions of people? Uh, in my book, I use nuclear war. Other people believe that there will be an airborne virus. Uh, Other people believe that there will be some kind of weird disease that nobody can cure. Uh, There's all kinds of theories on how to get rid of a third of the world. Uh, But I used, for the the purposes of fiction, nuclear war, because we've got um, quite a bit, many countries at this point in time who have the weapons. Some are making the weapons. And all it takes is one jerk to press the button and, you know, kaboom. We can just start wiping each other out 
city by city. So I, I chose nuclear devastation because it's the fastest. Uh, illnesses take a while, and there could always be some kind of hero doctor who could figure out a solution. So um, I just, you know, chose the war route. And if you look at the news, we have these skirmishes all over the world that really don't make a whole lot of sense why we're involved in in the first place. So Mm -hmm. to have a phony war uh, take place through our proxies, to me, politically makes the most sense on how to uh, wipe each other out. And of course, this would be very strategical. We're, we're not going to wipe out Texas, for example, because Texas has a lot of oil. And we're not going to wipe out the diamond mines of Africa because, well, they have a lot of diamonds and so forth. So all of the countries that don't have any natural resources would be highest on the list and the easiest to destroy. So, um, and of course, impoverished countries countries as well. Uh, people uneducated with no skills, with no natural resources, well, they're, they're sitting ducks. So that is how I open up the book. And we've got, uh, we've got America left. And, and America is always, to me, as an American, kind of special because we don't have this lengthy history of kings and queens we're we naively think that us common folk can can run a country we can pick who we want to lead us and uh we can we're a melting pot we can get along with every race and religion in the world and um it makes us a better country and uh this whole optimistic viewpoint that we all grew up with is what makes us uh, our history so much more unique. Mm-hmm. So after you know nuclear devastation hits, well, um, we've got the UN, which I believe this is this is although this is a fictional novel, I want to strongly suggest that the UN is much more than it seems. It's to me, it's a skeletal government that has an army. I don't think a lot of people realize it, but the UN has an army. That's kind of weird right there. Um, they have their own military. Um, of course, their soldiers are picked from other countries. They're all, you know, melded together. But um, nonetheless, they're a government that is kind of running things, especially with the rich people, or the, the, excuse me, the rich countries of this world. And uh, once we've got nuclear devastation and all of the leaders are wiped out, who do we turn to? We turn to the UN, as I believe its true purpose of uh, initially being set up. So... I, you know, I could go into the, the UN and oh, – go ahead, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah I, I, I was just – I wanted to stay on that topic because you 
Deuce uh, include them as the the ones who are implementing the new world order, and then they have you know, their, their peacekeepers. Um, really there to control the population and you know keep everyone in compliance with their drones yes. and uh, monitoring devices and implementing uh, and making sure that people are uh, microchipped. Yes. That's a, a huge part of New World Order, this whole microchipping because that's the ultimate control when you can locate someone's whereabouts and you can listen in to what they're saying and you can uh, know exactly what kind of blood they have what kind of organs they have medically um, you know what's in their bank account I mean we could go on and on uh, about the power of the microchip and um a lot of companies are already incorporating that one right in Wisconsin and uh, one in Europe, uh, in Sweden and Norway. They, they're, uh, this is becoming a thing. And the scary part is the citizens like the microchip. They, they find it real easy. They could just clock into work. They could just withdraw some cash. They can order something real easily at the Starbucks. They're not really seeing what they're giving up in return for that easy way of clocking in and uh, buying things. So I hope that this does not catch on, but I fear that it will. So microchipping is a big one. So you have to, of course, control the people who aren't dead after uh, a mass population control takes place. And the book also mentions uh, how people will be ranked by their usefulness. They'll have a, a, a useful factor. And uh, just like by Hitler, um, Hitler, uh, yeah, yeah, of course. We've got to brainwash them with education. we got to brainwash the new ones with education because if they get ideas, then that's going to rock the boat. And we're going to have, and uh, like certain countries, um, especially the Asian countries, we're going to sort out what they're seemingly good at at five years old, too. We're not, they're not, it's not going to be like America where you can figure out what you want to do with your life uh, when you're 18 and you're out of high school. It's, oh, you, you show an aptitude for computers. You're going you're gonna to go into, Computers. All of this is going to be decided for you. You don't have that kind of freedom like we do now. And and that's fine because your existence is for the good of the government. It's not for the good of your life. And that's kind of a, a theme to me of New World Order. It's um, kind of like communism. It's yeah. Yes. Exactly. Your needs come second. The government's needs come first. And, um, of course, my my heroes see the writing on the wall with all of this, and they've already figured out how to get the microchip out of themselves. And, 
and they take it with them to work, but then they leave it at home when they want to do something and they don't want to be tracked. And um, already on a smaller scale, a less dramatic scale, I think we can all um, agree that that if we leave our phones at home, well, then, you know, Apple or uh, whoever, you know, whatever phone company you use doesn't know where you are if you leave your phone at home. Or um, if you, uh, do you ever notice that if you've got your phone in your pocket and you're talking with someone about maybe going to dinner at whatever, blah, blah, blah's steakhouse or blah, blah, blah's Mexican restaurant, and then there pops up an ad for that chain of restaurant on your Facebook. Mm -hmm. So your phone is listening to you. So we've already right. got, yeah, I'm sorry. And, and yeah, you see it on, uh, uh, you know, We're, like a a Amazon. Hey, you, know, you look at, uh, you know, mm -hmm. you, you might look at a uh, CD to, you know, what, uh, what CD's in, uh, that song on? And then all of a sudden you start getting ads for, mm -hmm. Uh, that you know the whole person's catalog. Yeah, you know, they're yeah. you know they're watching you. It's you know just uh, you know just all, all part of the the consumer culture. Right. So in a sense, we've already are undergoing this whole. We're already kind of being microchipped. I guess is what I'm trying to say, but in a more um, a more businessy consumer type of way, I, I think it's going to go much farther. And I wouldn't be already. We, we found out in 2016 that Facebook with uh, that cat, uh, what was that cat? cat I want to say catalytic, catalytic analytics, something I cat, Cal Atlantic analytics. I can't remember the name of that company that they subcontract. Oh. Subcontracted in, in, in with Cambridge. Do you remember that? Yeah, Cambridge Analytics. Yeah, you got yes, Cambridge. You're right. And we yeah, all, we've already found out that if we liked somebody's post about a specific candidate, they were tracking that information and um, selling it, of course, to different uh, political candidates for their campaigns. So we're already giving away our, our privacy to, uh, uh, at every level, uh, not to get too much on a soapbox, but one of my pet peeves is this uh, Alexa and Echo things. I mean, this is even worse than your phone. They're, um, sitting in your house and you're, you're to talk to them and they're supposed to grant you your every wish. Oh, Amazon, order me more of this or, or, or play this song or, or switch the channel or whatever you want to tell it. Well, it's also listening to you argue with your husband. It's also listening to you uh, talk to your bank. I mean, it's listening to you all the time and people are paying for a company to listen to them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It, it it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me why you would surrender uh, every private moment of your life to a major corporation like that. 
but we are. We are doing it. So, again, some people, when the New World Order hits, they probably wouldn't even notice. But other people are going to say, hey, wait a minute, this ain't right. And, and, and I think that you, you do a really interesting job of ha- having your characters um, be, be the names of each chapter, and you, know, you get, uh, yeah, just say Jaxie, how. She uh, has some kind of experience dealing with NWO for for that chapter, and it, 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 it you know reveals how each person is impacted by the. Uh, implementation of you know the one world uh, go- uh government it, and you know, you know the whole books set up like that it's pr- pretty much you know uh, like the same technique used in uh dracula um you know, great book. Uh, yeah you know, it is you know, what what was your intention of structuring your novel uh, to be in that kind of format? Well, I think when you're titling the chapters after the characters and then you're using first-person perspective, Mm -hmm. you're giving the reader more insight of what's going on in their heads. And they can feel closer to the characters and closer to the storyline where uh, I've written in, you know, th- uh, first person, third person, I, I've, I've done all of them, but I like writing in first person the best because now you're putting yourself in somebody else's shoes, so to speak, while you're writing. And while you're reading, you're putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And um, I, I think we need to do that more as a society. We need to you know, get inside each other's heads. What, what, what could we be thinking? What could be bothering us? What, what's going to motivate us to, to risk everything for something that's righteous? What, what uh, makes us tick, so to speak? And uh, that is why I chose to set it up that way. I was trying to make it more interesting uh, to to read about and I I'd also want to put in a, a lot of people aren't sure what New World Order is so just to clarify there's different there's different kinds of versions of it my version is about is a a, a, a Christian Judeo religious version that one day we're going to have an inner circle and of that inner circle an evil being such as the antichrist is going to rise as the leader and that's 
you know, that's in the Bible in uh, quite a few chapters. It's biblical mm-hmm. prophecy. That is my version. Now, there are other versions that I, I do want to point out. Um, some people believe that New World Order is going to happen when the inner circle finally reveals uh, the aliens that have been waiting for their the right moment to take over Earth. So there's the alien angle. And then there's, of course, the uh, anti-Semitic angle. There's uh, a lot of people who think that all of the, um, like the Hitler crowd, that think the Jewish bankers are going to, you know, take over the world. That is definitely not the angle that I'm I'm going for. And I, as you read the book, I'm, I'm sure you know that. But I did. Mm-hmm. I do want to bring out there are different versions, and some of the versions blend together. Uh, mine is specifically the Christian version, but um, I'm certainly not the first person to write about New, New World Order. It's been uh, written about. Uh, I mean, uh, you've already alluded to Aldous Huxley and uh, George Orwell, but there's also H.G. Wells who wrote a book called New World Order. Uh, in 1940. So this has been going on for decades. And uh, Pat Robertson uh, of the Christian right uh, very famously wrote another book in the 90s about New World Order. So this has been something that um, the Fringe has been talking about for a long time. And uh, I, I think as we get closer and closer to globalization, the more it seems to ring true. And, and you know, th- this you know, th- today is uh, what you know, we're actually only like a couple days off of the. Uh, uh, a- anniversary of the uh, uh, usurpation of the um, n- New World Order. So, so, you know, I thought that was kind of interesting as as well about the timing of have, having you as our guest tonight. But uh, you know, the, the uh, you know your your novels. Set in uh, like 2043, is that, is that right? Uh, 2045. Um, yeah. And or, or earlier in the book, you have uh, you know, a, a statement about you know the ad- agendas and resolutions were drafted decades ago. Uh, okay, so that decades ago. Yeah. Okay, maybe. Uh, you know these agendas were created in what, like the 1990s. You know, maybe, maybe around this time. Um, yeah, that like sounds a little bit like that Agenda 21 that's been you know, yep. d- discussed for a while, but. What do we really know about it other than, you know, they're trying to 
get us all live in the FEMA, FEMA uh, trailers and you know all, all this you know kind of stuff that sounds right. like yeah. it, it would yeah. be it, it fits in with uh, the X Files, but there, there's so much the X Files that's actually telling you what's really going on. So, so you know. You're, Before the novel Mark, takes you're, you're place, hitting the nail. You, you're you're hitting the nail right on the head. Uh, Agenda 21 was drafted in 1992, and the 21 oh. stands for the 21st century, and it it was drafted by George Bush, uh, George Bush the Elder, and okay. he uh, he famously said. As I, um, I I know you and I have talked before. He famously talked about New World Order. Yeah, so, and, and what was it, uh, that was a State of the Union address? Is that right? Yes, and he he and yes, absolutely, it was State of the Union address, and he got together with all the other world leaders that belonged to the UN at the time in 1992, and for the first time, the UN went um, a step farther out of their supposed peacekeeping role and took on a globalized plan on what we're going to do for the world. So, uh, again, this would seem like an act of aggression had the news the news uh, reported on it, but not a peep. It was pretty much crickets. This is something that, you know, a dork and a geek like me would have to research uh, about to get information because it's not mentioned on the mainstream news. So uh, again, like you're saying, oh, it's you know a little bit about this, a little bit about that. Well, uh, there's a reason why you don't know everything about Agenda 21. It's it's because the mainstream media won't report on it, and. Um, you know, just, you know, real quick, Agenda 21 was the beginning, and they supposedly had um, a goal about the environment, they had a goal about education, they had a goal about poverty, they had a goal about um, coming together as a world with different kinds of funds and military, that kind of thing, and it was, you know, kind of vague. And then they had five years later another. They liked they liked the idea of coming together for power. Five years later they had another one. It's called Agenda 21 plus five. And then ten years later they had another one. It was called Agenda 21 plus ten. And then um, then we had Agenda 2030 in 2012. That that replaced Agenda 21. And that's when things really got cooking, and they came up with the Sustainable Development Goals. So 2012, Obama was president at this point, so he, of course, was much involved. And I'm going to tell you, I don't want to bore you or your listener with all 17 of those goals, but one of those goals is about the Green New Deal. So everyone's like, oh, AOC invented this whole idea of green. No, 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 no. AOC ripped it off of the UN's website. She didn't invent anything. She is a puppet who's completely reading off of the UN script for this Green New Deal. I mean, she is, this is not her deal. She, this is the UN's deal. 
and she's a plant, plain and simple. Uh, her entire agenda with this Green New Deal is, you know, completely a UN move. Uh, if we globalize, and um, I mean, who doesn't want to save the planet? Who doesn't? Right. <clears throat> excuse me. Who who wants to live in a, uh, you know, who wants a dirty ocean? Who wants to see those poor animals, you know, die with plastic wrapped around their their faces and all of that? Nobody. So if if you can scare people into thinking that this is a major problem. Uh, well, they're going to come together and they're going to willingly be taxed up the wazoo to to pay for this uh, supposed, you know, problem. And um, that's one way we can start getting on the same page as everything, as the world. So, you know, I, I believe in the, I, I, you know, I think some of the environmental stuff, I don't, I, I'm not a scientist, but some of the environmental stuff definitely makes sense. But the lengths that she has taken are ridiculous. There's no, what, the world's going to end in 10 years? Well, the world might end in 10 years, but it's not because of uh, of litter or because of our carbon footprints or any of that. It might end because we have a nuclear war. But um, what she's saying, I I don't agree with. And I know that she's taking it from the UN. So uh, a couple other things about the UN's goals for 2030. They don't want any poverty. Well, okay, who wants poverty? Who wants to see, you know, people suffer? Well, you know, keep in mind, how do you get people from being poor? Well, you take from people who have something, like not that I'm rich, not saying that um, other people in my neighborhood are rich, but compared to somebody in India or or um, somebody in South America, well, we live very nicely here, and I, I think you'd agree with that. And um, that's a fair, fair statement. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not every American is doing all that great, but my middle class lifestyle would be like living in a king, like living like a king uh, if I was living in Calcutta or something like that. So to end poverty, this is where you might have, you might hear some politicians talk about redistribution of wealth. Well, that's where, and social justice, that's where it's coming from. It's coming from the UN. Our politicians are acting like these ideas that they have are their own ideas. They're not. They're ripped straight out of the UN's agendas. So the UN makes these agendas. They can't be law because too many nations are involved, but they're suggestions. And all of the politicians around the world are taking these suggestions and they're making them into legislation. That's what's going on now. And whether you, you agree with these ideas or not, that's the direction the world is trying to go in. And every now and then you get a Trump who uh, is a disruptor or um, I can't remember the guy, the new prime minister in England. Um, oh, I can't remember that guy. He just got in. He looks kind of like Trump. He's got blonde hair. and Is, it, is that the Boris? Uh, got, yes. Boris. I forget yes, his last right, name. Yeah. 
well, he got in because uh, Britain it doesn't want to go in this UN direction. They don't want to even go in the EU direction. They want out. They want to be their own country. And they yeah, voted they on that Brexit three years thing. ago. And well, they didn't exit anything. They're still stuck in the EU. So again, and and the the elite are touting the these goals that don't really belong to the, con- the people of the country. They belong to the UN. I, I don't think anybody realizes the power that the UN has. And as I've mentioned in my book, this is all strategically given to the UN to build them up to, to, for when the takeover comes to be our standing government, our standing military and start running things. Um, we, uh, another thing, this is this is another thing in the agenda. Good health and well-being, healthcare, universal healthcare. Now, I know you and I have, have talked about that. I don't, I don't know what the answer is for healthcare. Obviously, what we have doesn't work very well. But universal healthcare, I don't, I don't know. I mean, here. It, the healthcare system that we got, you have the potential of going broke. The healthcare system that is universal, that Warren, for example, wants to implement at 53 trillion, or was it billion or trillion? I it was, can't yeah, 50, remember. Yeah, you know, something like 50 trillion dollars over the next 10 years. Well, that one we will go broke. So one, we have the potential to go broke. One, we will for sure go broke. So. Both aren't really working too well. But if you look at what the UN proposes, they want universal health care for the world. For the world. Now, who's going to pay for that? Uh, the people in Calcutta don't have any money. So the countries that have money, where do you think that's going to go if this, is, if this is implemented? Again, we're back to no poverty, redistribution of wealth. So... New World Order might be a good thing if you're in Calcutta or you're in Buenos Aires or you're in another city that's not doing too well. But it's not a good thing if you're in, you know, um, you know, Main Street America. So um, I, I do uh, try to put that, you know, in the book that there are two sides to this this coin and. Some people will be better off. Some people will be dead because their town or their country is uh, a target. And um, some people will lose everything. Uh, um, another thing, another sustainable goal, real quick. I, I, I there's, This really hits a nerve with me, is this um, education. Well, mm-hmm. do... What is what does quality education mean? Does it mean echoing somebody else's ideas, like a Green New Deal, That's or does point. it mean re- yeah? What is what is a yeah? Exactly, it should be critical thinking, but is it brainwashing or or is it critical thinking? You're absolutely right. Um, another one. Let me throw in one more for you: gender equality. Okay, they're not talking about equality between men and women. They're talking again about this whole transgender, 
um, you know, um, there's so many genders I can't even think tell you all of them. I'm I'm not even sure. So I I was talking with a a lady at my work, and her daughter went to um, it's called Furry Friends. It's some organization where people don't believe that they're a man or a woman gender. They believe they're an animal. And they have a convention every year in Chicago. I don't know if you've heard of this, but uh, uh, that's no, where I, we're I, going. I, not, we can just. I'm not on their mailing list. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's where this is going. I mean, for, for why limit ourselves to being a man or a woman or a little bit of both? We can we can become part daughter. We can become part lion. Or I mean, we can go on and on with this. Um, that's that's part of it. Um, anyway, there, there's there's a lot more to it. So we've got this agenda 2030, but wait, they had another meeting, and now it's there's an agenda 2050. And guess who wrote agenda 2050? Or, or I'm sorry, I take that back. It's called Vision 2050. Uh, is that part of the okay. UN? No, the UN didn't even write this one. 29. Global companies wrote Vision oh. 2050. So now we're now are, now the cards are really starting to show. So who's running things? Well, again, our biggest companies in the world, as, as I think we all suspected anyway. So, um, sorry, I'm going to keep babbling on about um, different kinds of agendas, but I find the UN and the stuff that they're up to and the fact that it's not reported on mainstream media, astounding. You know, one of the points that I think everyone in the audience, uh, you know, recognizes from 1984 is the double speak with the, you know, terminology and it, yeah, and, and you've used that phrase sustainability, and you know, I've wondered about that too. You know, you, know, you see it on like pizza boxes. Um, yeah. You know, uh, the, you know, this uh, box is made from you know, sustain, you know, sustainable uh, f- forests, and you know, you know, talk about sustainable food supplies. What what does sustainable mean in this term it, it, it just se- seems like it's a code word for for some it's, it's, like it's there's straight. something d- deeper th- than keeping keeping it going you're right you, mark you're 100 percent right it is a, a it is a a, a covert word it, it um it's for, for straight from these UN agendas, sustainable development goals. That's what the UN calls these goals that I've been rattling on about. They call them SDGs for short, sustainable development goals. That is their speak. That is uh, their double talk, their double speak. That and they're they have quite the captive uh, marketeers that these heads of state in all these different countries are taking their terminology 
and utilizing it in their own legislation. That's a that's globalization. They're trying to give us all the same language so when the takeover begins, we're all speaking the same universal terms. We all know what sustainable means because it's used all over the world now. Instead of, oh, I, you know, I, I want this to to uh, last for a long time or I want this to be to endure for a long time. There's so many different words we could use besides sustainable. But like you've alluded to, the entire world is using the only term sustainable. And if you if you set the language, you set the mindset. If you um, change the language, you change the mindset. And there, these people are very, very good at getting us to think a certain way. And if you're not paying attention, you're not picking up all of these uh, little things that are uh, around the bend that are about to come our way. Okay, and you know, uh, you know we can keep t- talking about ed- education as we go through through the show. I just uh, want, wanted you know, as we're you know, kind of approaching the first uh, end of the first hour. Um, you know, I just wanted to ask, um, how did you get so interested in this topic? You know, what really pulled you into analyzing what was going on in you know, starting like 1992 with the invention of... Um, uh, agenda 21 well uh right around that same time i think a year prior we had the uh the golf war with uh bush the elder was it george h bush mm-hmm. and you know i don't know how old you are or your viewers are but um i was in college at that time and um, it was also at, at that very exact moment in history, we had the advent of the 24-hour news cycle. So that kind of was like a, a, like like double trouble, so to speak. So we were watching CNN, I think, was the first uh, news channel that cycled 24 hours. So we were watching the news all day long, and um I was in college. I had friends who were in the ROTC. They were nervous they might, uh, you know, be sent to the Middle East. Um, We were watching the news all the time. We didn't know what was going to happen. And we could, for the first time in history, we could watch the news all day long. We didn't have to wait till 6 o'clock. So I remember very vividly, there was uh, an ambassador, and um, I, I want to say her name was April. I can't remember her name, but she was one of Bush's ambassadors, and um, one of the newsmen had found out that she was instructed by Bush's administration to um, have a meeting with Saddam Hussein, and he asked her what would the United States do 
because he believed that pipeline in Kuwait was his oil, if you remember the details of all this. And he said, what would the United States do if I took what I believe is mine? And she was instructed to say nothing. So this whole thing was a total setup. In other words, now, oh, and then when they wanted to, when um, the mainstream, or the only, I, I keep saying mainstream, when the only stream, when CNN reporters wanted to interview her, she had um, left the United States and went to Canada. She wouldn't even inter- be interviewed. So Saddam Hussein, who's portrayed as the, the villain in all of this, asked our permission to invade Kuwait. We said we didn't care. We didn't have any interest in it. And then the minute he does it, we're attacking him. So to me, that's a setup. That's a setup. Um, I guess the real question is, well, why did we want to, why do we want a reason to go uh, attack Saddam Hussein? That, that to me is the, the real question and all that. And, uh, a conspiracy was born, and um, as for me, a conspiracy theorist was born. So uh, at that moment in time, I just, you know, started wondering about what our government, the motives behind some of our government's actions. Uh, and, and so was the media at that time. At, at that time in history, we had real reporters. We had, uh, they were really trying to to um, crack a lot of these stories. Uh, you're not finding that so much anymore. So uh, and, that, and, of course, go oh, ahead, Oh, no, I, I was just going to say, you know, there was also, at, at, at that time, you know, the, the, the UN hearings about, you know, why, why America needs to go to war, and, you know, they trot out, Colonel Colin Powell to d- discuss, you know, the WMDs and uh, the yellow yeah. cake, and he was. You, you could tell it was a not, you know, very convincing performance, and you know they still no. never found any. It, it, it was uh, uh, just. Uh, it was the, yeah, the second one. Yeah, and uh, the, the the whole it, it, it was the, that whole you know since the first uh, you know invasion of Kuwait you know up until now you know, it's been uh, almost a thirty year long war. Nothing's yeah. really been accomplished. And and just to to further tack on to that conspiracy theory. The real, uh, we, I mean, I have no proof of this. This is just, you know, kind of Internet stuff, but it certainly makes a lot of sense. Saddam Hussein was um, kicked off at us. And Saddam Hussein had talked about trading oil off of the U.S. dollar. That was his crime. He wanted to sell his oil on a different currency. That's the real that that's what a lot of people think his his big sin was it wasn't that he was a brutal dictator or he murders people all of that that wasn't it we could have cared less about all that 
it was he did, he was going to sell his oil on a different currency. Now, what currency that is, I don't know, but um, that makes a lot of sense. And then every time we get in the Middle East, it's because someone's threatening to trade oil that on their currency or the or European or the Europe's currency or Russian's currency, any currency that's not ours. So I'm wondering if there's a lot of truth to that because. That certainly makes a lot more sense than, oh, well, you know, we just want democracy and uh, all this other crap that we have to listen to. Well, some countries aren't going to ever be democratic. And, you know, whatever works. I, I mean, every culture is different. You can't have democracy everywhere. You have different cultures who who can't handle it. And we know that. So to me, that, that kind of stuff is... I don't buy it. There's something more going on. And, and usually if you follow the money, that seems to give you your answer. Yeah. Well, you know, there is all, all the oil. You know, that was, you know, that, that was, you know, the reason why we were uh, in, in trying to save Kuwait and since then, uh, you know, we've invented fracking, and yeah. it's, uh, we're still, if we're energy independent now with fracking, why hasn't prices uh, come down? And we're still, de- you know, still you know, getting oil from uh the middle east and uh you know the frack pads are still uh after they're done you know they're being uh run by solar panels so i i i let's see so so solar panels work but we're still dependent on fossil fuels um, this isn't making any sense. <laughs> I know, and fossil fuels cause supposedly carbon footprints. So I, I, I don't know. I'm with I'm with you, uh, Mark. Why is oil so? Wh- why do we care so much about oil if it's if it's doing nothing but leaving a carbon footprint that that's going to wreck our environment? Well. Um, again, I, the whole, the whole thing kind of goes in circles. And, um, I I think someone was on the news talking about how one, um, if you, you know how a lot of these rich people don't even want to fly commercial. They want to, they can't even fly first class on a commercial plane. They have to get their own jet and go to their meeting, wherever their meeting is. Mm -hmm. Well, they're saying that one plane trip from New York to Europe uh, one way is the same uh, amount of gas that a regular person uses a year in their car. That's one a one-way trip from New York to Europe is as much of a car leaves as much of a carbon footprint as a year of my gas. So where's the real problem? The re- but that's real problem. There, 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 there are the elite who are doing 
important stuff, though. It, 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 that, that, that's okay, isn't it? <laughs> well, why can't they fly first class on a commercial jet? Wouldn't that be more less of a carbon footprint? Why can't they carpool? They all live in New York anyway. Why, if, if 10 of them are going to a meeting, why can't 10 of them get on a private jet? I mean, there's so many ways to act like you give a rat, and none of them are doing that. They're just complaining about how we all need to get battery cars, how we all got to quit eating beef, how we got to all, uh, we, we're living in too much square footage, how we need to get solar panels. I mean, on and on and on. They, they're droning on and on and on. Yet their lifestyle is so wasteful compared to everybody else's. So I, I'm just, you know, trying to trying to get a measuring stick going on here, and uh, I, it's no contest. Okay, so um, yeah, we're get, getting kind of sidetracked there with. Um, some sarcasm. We, we might want to <laughs> reel ourselves back in and get 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 back to your book. But yeah, you know, since we are talking about uh, the global elites, you know, it is based. The inner circle. Uh, yeah, the inner circle. Um, yeah. yeah the, you know, your you know, your work does have a biblical connection, uh, mainly to the uh, Book of Revelation, well, and you know qu- quite a few other ones. But you know, you do, do draw heavily from the Book of Revelation. Um, you know, you do have this uh, party that takes place over you know, chapters thirty-three and thirty-four, and is it any? You know, is that designed that 33 is when the party starts, this nefarious party? Is that some kind of Masonic uh, number, uh, connection, secret society type uh, thing you're hinting about? Yeah. Yep, you're exactly right. Uh, 33 is – oh, no, you're 100% right. 33 is, of course, the highest level of a Freemason that one can achieve. Uh, your your Albert Pikes of the world. Uh, I'm, I'm going to guess uh, George Washington was probably up there as well um, as most of our presidents. And uh, uh, those that those are your your high your high your people in, in the highest positions within the, the Freemason chapters. And um, some people think that they're behind a lot of this New World Order. Some people think that they're uh, related to the Illuminati group. Uh, again, I'm, I'm hinting about all of that in the book as well. And... and um, yeah, and you know, it it is a really uh, well done couple chapters 
about building the suspense to reveal uh, what the inner circle people are all about. Um, and it, it, it does sound like something almost like, you know, uh, out of Rosemary's Baby, but, you know, it, it, it is rooted in what we know of practices from, uh, you know, the Phoenicians. It's mentioned in, like, the Moloch uh, materials mentioned in uh, Paradise Lost. You know, uh, the, you know, so the, uh, you, know you get the Aleister Crowley in, influence there, you know, uh, drugging the uh, uh, patrons. What a nice legacy he left. So, yeah, you, you, you have a lot yeah. of research going towards making th- this scene. Can, can, can you tell us a little bit about yes. those couple chapters? Uh, sure, a- absolutely. Uh, and um, just uh, real... Real quick, to just uh, to piggyback on how it's 30, 33, uh, 33 is also the parallel to Mount Hermon. And I know you, you and Barbara are big Nephilim uh, fans. You're oh, very yeah. well The giants, yeah. So uh, that's a, another tie-in as well um the with Mount Hermon and that's supposedly where the Nephilim landed and um again 33 so we've got 33 shows up uh all the time in our biblical references in mythology it's in mace uh, freemasonry so uh that is of course significant uh in in my in my um book it's it's of course got some significance, but um, the party that you're talking about is um, definitely part of a, a ancient ritual. With Mo- Molech is uh, famous for uh, new uh, ch- uh, children sacrifices. A lot of people would give their firstborn to Molech as a um, offering. And it was supposed to ward their next children away from uh, disease and death and, and all of that. So uh, Molech is um, one of those gods in the Bible that the people are told not to worship. And uh, obviously they do anyway because for some reason Molech, is, uh, they think, is a much stronger God than, than the one God um, that we, um, that Christians worshiped today. And um, my contention is that Moloch is a sidekick of the devil per se, which is what this whole entire party is about. And it, and it, the whole point of the party is to name who is going to be their leader of of this n- new world order that has occurred. 
and uh, they're trying to be democratic about it, and they they um, vote on it, and they have to, you know, vote on somebody who doesn't seem as monstrous as people suspect. And um, I don't want to give away the whole book, but um, the man who who gets uh, voted as the leader of this uh, new world order performs um, a gruesome ritual as, as his acceptance. And um, in, uh, in tradition with the Roman Catholic church, he is uh, crowned a special kind of mitre crown that um, our, our Pope might wear. So there there are links to Christian religion as well as demonic religion as the two often mirror each other. Okay. Well, and, you know, maybe we stop there. You know, we don't want to uh, get, give away some of the you know, best parts of the book. But, so, you know, like... Uh, yeah, the ancient legends that you know, you're just you know, more than nefarious legends that you're just talking about. You, know, you, you also draw from uh, historic legends uh, uh, in, in association with the uh, patriots. You know, they're they're leading the uh, resistance movement to. You know the global elites. Um, you know, you, you're talking about. Uh, you know, you you, you uh, reference uh, several times Patrick Henry's "Give Me uh, Liberty or Give Me Death" speech. Uh, you know, Jesus was a you, you, uh, leader of the resistance movement to the you know Roman occupation. You know, Foreign occupation of you know their homeland, uh, you know Robin Hood and uh, try, trying to stop King John's heavy taxation and all that. So, you know you, you know you have a really good balance of um, oh, it, it, I, you know the evil role models and you know the good models with the Patriots. Can, can you tell us, like, how much uh, research were you doing for both uh, groups of uh, contrasting characters? Well, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I did name off famous people who were heroes, uh, who were, you know, let's 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 be real. They were all motivated to to vigilantism, so to speak, because of taxation, right? That's what motivates right. us. Uh, when we're taxed too much, we snap. And um, you know, uh, Guy Fox uh, famously uh, was another one. He's got that mask that you see everybody wear when. Um, they think that the government is abusive, the government is taxed too much, the government is this, the government that. 
And when we get upset about it, and we used to, this was the spirit of America. Lately, we're, we've just been a bunch of pansies and, um, you know, oh, okay, oh, more taxes, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, we've been very complacent over the last uh, several decades, I think, compared to how we started. And what will it take to get us back to that that period of time, that patriot period of time where, you know, we were, we were, uh, just, I, I mean, we were fighters. We, we had a cause. We believed we were right about something and we were ready to fight to the death and we don't have that anymore. And now we we're, we go to wars that we don't even know why we're there. Uh, everything has gotten so convoluted uh, and, and the heroes that I, I mean, I talked about, they were focused like a laser on their cause. And the heroes in my book are focused like a laser on their cause. And we don't have that anymore. Like you, like you mentioned earlier, um, we've been in the Middle East forever. Well, nobody even knows why. Uh, we, we can't do that. We, it, it's making us tired. It's making us disorientated. We've got to start focusing again on what's important. And uh, I think that is where a lot of my research comes from. And, I, and I, I'm always a fan of the underdog. That That's just me. I uh, love reading about historical figures who somehow manage to get something done, whether they're in myths, legends, whether they're real. Uh, I just find that kind of character fascinating. Okay, and you know, uh, your patriots are actually the millennials who were born, you know, at the turn of the millennium. Yeah. Yeah, they're. About twenty like now. The er- yeah, the by, early two thousands. Yeah, and yeah, by so, the time yeah. the, the action of your book takes place, uh, they're uh, you know in the thirty forty age uh, range. Do, do you think that with their and they, they've been heavily criticized for like being self-absorbed with the technology, but you know, they're also very proficient at it. it, it do, do you really th- uh, think that they do offer the kind of uh, uh, fortitude uh, that that was similar that you know we saw with. Uh, Ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Paine, those uh, Patrick Henry. Well, that's I mean that's a great question. Th- those men obviously were very brave. They had um, very brave military skills. They were good with whatever weapon they had access to. Uh, they were soldiers. Where our new kind of vigilante soldier. It, they don't have to be brave. They don't have to be trained in weapons. They have to know computers, though. That is everything right. in this day and age. 
uh, even the weapons, as I brought into uh, the storyline, and that was research too. I, I didn't just, you know, make up a bunch of uh, weapons. I, you know, got into what we have now, what they think that they're going to get down the road, that kind of thing. Uh, our weapons are computers. So our, a hero in today's literature has to be computer proficient, more, number one, more than anything. And yes, you're right, millennials are self and, and absorbed, a, a lot of them, with technology. But they're also, uh, and, you know, my, my day job, I'm a, a high school teacher, so I, I do have some experience with teenagers. They're also uh, medicated for everything, uh, every every. Uh, Dina, there there are a, a number of um, websites out there that you know come you know are, are looking at lots of different um, causes for for the manipulation that is going on in the world today, and uh, it, it it is it is rather frightening to not be able to put a finger on it, and, and because we don't know where it's coming from, you know, we look at the Bilderberg Group, we look at you know the Bohemian Club, we look yeah. at. Uh, the Illuminati. We look at all sorts of names of groups, but do you have an inkling as to where this is coming from? Well, I think I, I think sure, cer- certainly all of those have contributed to this globalization. By but I think a lot of these billionaires, uh, like George Soros, for example, Jeff Bezos, I think. These these billionaires are getting together, and they're they're well. I think they own a lot of our politicians. I think they're making policy for uh, the UN and other other types of um, governments in place. Do you think they have a god complex? Like I'm so rich, I should be able to tell people what to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'm. Uh, I'm just. I mean, just today, I'm watching the news, and uh, George Soros has spent millions of dollars in this country to get certain people elected in our um, judicial system. So uh, he's, and he, and, he, and it's he's successful. He's funding uh, dozens of campaigns across the country, and he's getting to handpick who he wants as prosecutors. So he does have a God complex and he fundamentally wants to change our judicial system in this country. Who knows what else he's got? What other, you know, quasi uh, political packs that he's got going. But um, right now he's working on um, uh, prosecutors. He, He just got one elected today in Fairfax, Virginia, as we're talking about election day. So, what is the point of all this? Well, sure, to play God, but um, of course he ha- he has an agenda, and all of these politicians have one thing in common: they're very soft on crime. So, what is he trying to do? It sounds like he's trying to overthrow the rules that we currently have in place. Yeah, it it, it is a little fright. I mean, you, you look at things and you think, okay. They can do this because they hire protection and they have people protecting them all the time, and and yet uh, just recently they've been they've been letting go um, 
people from prisons is you know my my jaw is dropping open yeah. you know 300 here 400 here i mean there there's a reason that they're in jail <laughs> excuse me yeah there's a reason that they're in jail and and why are we letting them out can we just not afford to keep them there is there a reason they're being let out i nobody's given me any answer to that one barbara i i don't understand it either again to me the whole whole thing of this is is they want to overthrow what we've got here right now they're they want they want to take over and you put chaos out on the street and you've got no rules in place and everybody's doing whatever they want uh you've got chaos and chaos of course makes it easy to to take to take over a political system so I agree with yeah, you. I mean, if, whole, if, and then there's that. If, oh, there's on, no, if there's absolutely no punishment for a crime, I mean, what's to stop people from? I mean, if they if they if they do a crime and then suddenly we empty out the jails, so so what was the punishment these people got? They, they got a home run. They, right. They broke the law, and now they're back on the streets, and it's like no big deal. They'll just let us out again. A little scary. That uh, Bernie Sanders wants people who are in prison, who aren't who aren't let free, that are still in prison, to be able to vote. <laughs> so, I mean, how easy would that be to get elected? Oh, vote for me, and I'll let you out of jail. <laughs> I think somebody in Virginia did let the prisoners vote last time. Come to think of it, but um, you know, it. it 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 is really frightening what's happening to our system of government because it is it it does appear to be crumbling all over the place. It, yeah, it, I, I I go on. I'm sorry, Mark. Oh no, I, I, I was just gonna say, it, you know, we were just talking about the um, basically the mob rules where just anything goes. In the streets, and I, I was just trying to bring out a point that you bring up in your book that um, really isn't covered in, uh, say, you know, some of the earlier uh, apocalyptic masterpieces like 1984. Uh, Maybe Orwell just didn't think that things were going to get this bad, but you know we can look at some of your characters are heavily uh, drugged, and you know part of your you know, book is you know f- focusing on uh, you know the pharmaceutical industry and. Yeah. Boy, uh, uh, what a terrific job they did with the opioids in Appalachia! Boy, how about that? This uh, science behind uh, that that situation, and you, know, you just basically ruined generations of Appalachia. You know, de- you know just really depopulated. Uh, you know, m- my area. And but is that in accordance with the Georgia Godstones? Well, again, uh, drugs are a form of 
population control. You can OD on them or you can easily be controlled by them. So one of the two, and if you get somebody hooked on drugs, then you can control them. Now, I'm not sure what the Georgia Godstone is. If you please, yeah, please elaborate. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, it's like a little monument, it's kind of set up like uh, Stonehenge, and has, you know, how to have a sustainable future, and there's uh, something like, uh, uh, was like uh, thirteen? Is it like thirteen point? Uh, Barbara, do you, does that sound right? There's like something like thirteen recommendations of a sustainable future for humanity, and uh, one yeah. is, uh, uh, yeah, keeping the population below uh, five hundred uh, million people. Mm-hmm. So who, who, who's going to make that determination? Oh, uh, who's the elitist who's going to make? Uh, that determination to implement a, a eugenics program. <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't want to offend your or your listeners or, or anything like that, but, I mean, just look look what's going on with abortion. We've gone from, you know, a first-trimester abortion to a six-month abortion to now a nine-month abortion. I. Why would you want to abort your kid at nine months? What what could the doctor tell you any differently than they couldn't tell you at the beginning of your pregnancy? And uh, is this population control? um, The only thing that I can truly uh, think of is can you sell your fetus to a medical company for uh, genetic research or for stem cells or something? Is, is that part of what's going on? Because if you don't, if you don't want your baby at, at nine months, well, why didn't you get the abortion at three months or why didn't you take birth control or why didn't you, you know, so I'm, I guess, we've already got our own ways of keeping the population down. We've got, you know, drugs, we've got abortions, we've got, um, we've got urban cities full of gangbangers shooting each other up and we're not doing anything about it. We're letting violent criminals out on the street to thin the herd, so to speak. So we, we have some things in place. Um, you know, I, I don't know what else is going to take place, but um, we're we're getting more and more mass shootings. I'm, I'm just wondering if all of this is related. Uh, uh, that's an interesting way to you know, possibly connect all these dots, and, and then you know, you know, just to take what you're, you know, the example you're just talking about with the. You know, uh, abortions. You can also look, you know, later in life at another, you know, very popular book that came out like 40 years ago, like Coma, and you know, just uh, uh, you, you know, y- y- use the healthcare industry to, you know, just 
put put uh, people in comas and like har- harvest their organs and se- sell them. That's you know, some some pretty sick e- e- eugenic philosophy, but um, it, it it's really not that far fetched. No, I I agree a hundred percent with you. There there's these old folks' homes. Uh, seems like the minute you run out of money, you end up you end up getting MRSA or something like that, and then dying. Um, we we have a lot of things in place that that I think thin our herd faster than maybe we would naturally go. Maybe I'm just being paranoid, but um, uh, there's just I, I guess I'm I'm not I don't take anything at face value anymore, and um, you know I you're you're we were I know you and I were talking about the the medical industrial complex, and um, they're they're getting to be a very power powerful racket. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they. I can basically do, and I have your uh, life in their, their hands, and they can do whatever yeah. they want, and, and they're still going to get their exorbitant fee, even if you die or the treatments don't work. Yeah. I, 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 what doctor isn't making a lot of money? Yeah. They make a ton of money, and uh, even the physicians' assistants and the nurses do pretty well. And, and you know, with with you know, Jaxi and Raphael, you know, some of the heroes, you know, the patriots from. Um, your book. Um, yeah, you have a. You present them and their situation as you know, unarmed minority uh, you know uh, other than having you know their cell phones and able to figure out how to remove the microchips and you know, you know just kind of starting off small against you know the, the uh, elites with all the you know, uh, more effective and harmful uh, gadgets and you built uh, you know, these all all these characters, you, know, you bring them all together, and you, you, you know, you're, you're developing like a profile of social psychology or you know group psychology. You know, how are they going to uh, all these people work together uh, against a more powerful? Um, you know the ruling class. Uh, uh, you know, I, you know, I thought that was portrayed very uh, uh, realistically. You know, how, how did, did did you just look at uh, 
how how people behave in groups or just look at uh, uh you know like the founding fathers and uh you know read some social psychology books how, how did you achieve that effect well i think you know as 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 i mentioned in the book and and as anybody who studies you know new world order um, or, or, or just a plain old takeover. The one of the first things that a a um, inner circle or a new government or a new power structure needs to do to take control is to get rid of your guns. And um, I, I I think that's why people get so upset whenever. You have a um, political candidate who, like uh, Beto O'Rourke, who's, who dropped out, uh, wanted to take away your guns. And I think mm-hmm. he even said, in, uh, I'm from Texas, so he, you know, he makes the news a lot. Mm-hmm. And he, even, he said to a bunch of reporters, uh, they said, well, how are you going to take, oh, take someone's guns away? And Oh well, we'll we'll have a government buyback, and then they go, okay. Well, what if the person who has the guns doesn't show up for the buyback? Then what are you going to do? Oh well, I'm going to have the military come to their house and take their guns. Well, that's what we all fear. Uh, this is, uh, I, uh, you know, I think just a very basic American fear that that someone's going to come into my home, like martial law, like like I think Lincoln's the only only president we ever had that that installed a martial law uh i hope he's the last but um right now he's the first and the last but who knows how long that's gonna go on and the military has the right to go into your your house and search it with and get and take and take the gun and take your guns take your weapons away and i think that's just a huge fear even for people who who don't have guns. They don't quite like that idea. Uh, that's our, our second amendment that our forefathers didn't write that as our first amendment or um, they wrote it as our second amendment and it was that important to them. So you take something that makes everybody terrified. Um, it, it unites them. I think if you got a bunch of people scared about one, one thing, it, you're going to unite them into um, fast friends. And, um, of course, in, in my book, my heroes figure out a way after they've gotten their weapons taken away. Not not all of them had weapons, but um, some of them did. Uh, you're, they're going to find a way to get them back because that that's the only fighting chance that, that you have. If you don't have any weapons, you, you can't you, you can't put up a good fight and um you know not not to um beat a dead horse but here in in Texas we had this thing maybe about 5 or 6 years ago maybe you heard of it it was called Jade Helm Oh yeah I, don't um, know if I remember that yeah Yeah that was a military drill to pretend to go uh around houses and Take people's guns away. Well, what do you think that caused? That caused a whole lot of chatter and a whole lot of talk and a whole lot of people who uh, just immediately bonded together because 
why would our military be practicing taking guns away? Well, because pretty soon they're going to do it for real, right? So just, you know, that wasn't by where I live, but um, it was definitely a big topic of the news uh, on Texas local news. So uh, I think uh, I got to know um, people I worked with a little better. I got to know people I lived by a little better. This was uh, um, a point of contention with just about everybody. They did not like this uh, military exercise. It represented a violation of um, our rights. And um, I tried to pass that that, uh, instant camaraderie into the book. Um, Again, I'm not a big gun advocate, but, um, I, I, you know, I, I'm a woman. I live with my husband. If I didn't live with my husband and I lived alone, I'd have a gun. How else would I, could I defend myself? I have, I have two daughters. So when they move out, um, yeah, I'm going to take them to the gun range and we're going to practice. They're going to need something to defend themselves. I, it, uh, I, you know, if, if a single woman's living alone, she needs she needs something to level the playing field. If if a, if a man breaks into the house, how else? What other chance do you have? So I I really believe in um, defending yourself. And if that right is taken away, well, the next step is of course takeover. Because why else would anybody do that? Uh, and. You know, I forgot about that Jade Helm thing, and I remember there was a lot of talk about it, and you know, it was all over, you know, Facebook. Not much really. I think more was said than done. Do you you think that? it worried people. It, 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 it worried. It, it, like social media actually prevented an event might, like that from happening. You might be right because it caused such a fuss. It was it was supposed to be on the down low, but uh, because media got wind of it, um, everybody got wind of it for that matter. Uh, it caught, and then FEMA at the at the same time we had FEMA buying up all kinds of bullets. If you remember, if that was happening at the same exact time. So this kind of caused a panic, and um, maybe it was the NRA who went on defense. And I, I don't I don't really know how how uh, we got flooded with all this kind of information. But the end result w- was very clear. Um, if you're going to continue on with these kinds of military trainings, then we're going to vote for somebody who will not have it. And uh, it's going to end here and now. And the, the message was very clear. And uh, it, at least for the time being, has stopped. Okay. I, I just, you know, we're back to... 
your characters who are you know, later 30s, early 40s would have you know, probably participated in the uh, making other people aware of the Jade Helm thing, you know, when they were in, in their uh, teen years. So, you know, you're, you're kind of tracing the uh, growth of awareness of what technology could do for the millennials throughout uh, Crowns and Cabals. Absolutely. It's, uh, technology is everything. As of right now, um, I, I mean, our, uh, just in the business world, the stocks that do the best are your tech stocks. Uh, the people who are the most needed in uh, business today are your 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 technology uh, skilled workers. Your, um, I mean, if you don't, our heroes of the future are are going to have to really be tech geeks in uh in every way. And I, I would I would go as far as say that I bet you our top military men and women know a lot about technology because I'm sure those drones are not easy to work. Um I'm 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 sure uh this the satellites aren't all that easy to work. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, knowledge that go into these kinds of gadgets, and um, we've got to take that into consideration that if you're going to get rid of the population, if you're going to get rid of a third of the population and and have the useful ones left, well, the useful ones might be too useful. They might be useful for themselves because the common folk of today and, of course, the future are a heck of a lot more sophisticated, a heck of a lot more educated um, a heck of a lot more skilled than the common folk of any other generation prior. So um, New World Order is kind of a double, double-edged sword. You, you, you need these, these tech geeks to help run the world, yet they could easily stab you in the back too because they might know more than you. You know, we, Gina, we have uh, eight minutes or so uh, left for uh, you know, the, the uh, show, uh, barring another uh, lightning strike <laughs> uh, uh, nearby. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, I do want to touch on you know, couple, another interesting contrast that you present, and you know, we need to give you uh, time to plug any of you know, your, you know, where to get your books and you know, um, websites or anything like that. But um, you know, you have uh, you know the character uh, 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 George, who is uh, Raphael's grandfather, and. and you also are looking at 
you know, the crowns from in the title of your work that you know it goes back to you know, you know Egyptian you know Sumerian antiquity and you know how many generations of you know worn these uh crowns and you know there's also been you, know, you can see the uh uh, d- destruction that s- some of these same cultures have done just recently about blowing up uh, statues, uh, destroying yeah. statues. Uh, you, you know, and, you know, we had had that in uh, 1984 with uh, Winston Smith uh, talking in the speak rights to make history conform to what. Yeah. How, you know how Big Brother wanted it, and um, you know there there, there is yeah, but, that uh, balance between learning from <clears throat> you know the older generation and just obliterating what you don't like. Uh, uh, where can we find a balance in there, or should should we not? Uh, tear down the Confederate statues? Well, I mean, that's, these are uh, just, I think, just great pre- questions for um, today's today's world. Uh, we've got ISIS destroying museums because they want to rewrite their history. We, um, you know, hundreds of years ago, we had the Spanish conquistadors destroying uh, all of the um, um, what do you call um, all of the relics from uh, South America? So um, we didn't learn a lot about that world. We had the Romans destroy and, and burn down the the museum or the, excuse me, the library in Alexandria. I mean, can you imagine Wait. what was in that library? Uh, we, I mean, this is a, a theme in, in history. Right now, in history, we've got Germany excluding about nine-tenths of what happened in World War II in their history books, which I don't know if people realize that. Um, uh, two of my other books, uh, Bestseller and uh, the sequel, which are uh, about Hitler's link with aliens, I cannot sell them in Germany because there's a swastika on the cover, and they don't want to go there. They don't want anything that is um, a negative remembrance of Hitler. So, I mean, Germany is supposed to be a free nation. Well, they are, they're censoring up a storm. And I know uh, UK has a lot of books that they won't even sell because they could cause, uh, again, we're talking about censorship. And, and all of this is in the name of forgetting aspects of history and in some cases just downright rewriting history. So I'm... I put that in my book. I put that theme in my book uh, for a lot of reasons because, okay, I, I'm from I'm a, I'm a, originally from Chicago, so I'm a Yankee. Um, there's no Confederate statues at all in Chicago. There's no Confederate flags. If someone has that kind of stuff, they would certainly have it privately because you would get your butt kicked. Um, 
like no tomorrow if you went around on a pickup truck with a confederate flag hanging out your window and um if there was a statue of jefferson davis at a park well you wouldn't need to hire anybody to take down that statue because it would be destroyed by um the people because it's you know such an offensive um piece of art but with that being said now i live in the south and that's a whole different culture we've got you know people whose families have been here for hundreds of years and like it or not their family might have fought in the civil war their family might have you know i mean we don't get to when we're summoned to a war we don't we're we're, we don't get to always pick what side we're going to be on we have to be in the region that we're in and um you know on that level you've got to respect that this is this was part of history this was part of the southern culture and um you know, it, do I find that kind of, do I find Confederate statue offensive? Yeah, I do. It, to me, it's the symbol of hate. But if I'm a Southerner and that was part of my ancestor ancestry and maybe I have a Confederate great-great-great-grandfather and I've got the uniform and all of that and, well, you know, you got to be, you got to be mindful of that and Mm-hmm. Um, leave it up. Uh, I know that they're talking about, I was in a New Orleans and they're talking about tearing down the Andrew Jackson uh, statue right there uh, in the square. And uh, I mean, that's no, such a beautiful, yeah, it's, it's gore. It's a beautiful area. And I mean, Andrew Jackson for his time, I mean, he might not have been a, a good person in the long run, but for his time, that's what the that's what our soldiers did. They killed Indians, okay, what, like it or not, and that's part of our history. And that's what makes us a great country. We can we can handle it. I, I think we can handle it. We can handle the the black the black eyes that you know we have for history, and we can uh, celebrate the good stuff. And I just I I would hate to see political correctness get the better of our uh, of our architecture of our art of our history all of it I, I would just hate that that would be worse than the offense uh, a confederate statue might cause in in my opinion i, I don't know okay. how you feel but yeah uh, uh yeah we'll, we'll have to talk about that on the next show we are uh just about out of time and you know, I just want to thank you, Dina, for uh, being our guest. Bar- Barbara, do you want to step in and wrap things up? And we'll see everyone next Monday. Absolutely. <clears throat> thank you, everybody. We really appreciate you sharing your time with us. Um, this will go up on YouTube sometime tomorrow. And if you like it and like listening to the other shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Other than that, have a great night, and we will see you next week. Good night now.